Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Joshua, and I want to welcome you to another broadcast. Of course, this broadcast happened yesterday, 24 hours ago. And I got to tell you that it is this conversation with Janine is one of the most extraordinary conversations I've ever been a part of. Um, I don't know how much you all know about Carl Jung or Dark Knight of the Soul or Shadow Work or Embracing Our Darkness. If any of these words sound for, or phrases sound familiar to you, uh, then this conversation is going to feel like home. For others who look at what I just said and go, ooh, that's bad, well, I would encourage you to watch or listen because this is a refreshing conversation, one of the most refreshing and rewarding conversations that you could possibly have talking about embracing your shadow, doing shadow work, uh, embracing the darkness, not going towards the darkness. There is a difference between the two. And if you don't understand that, then this is absolutely the broadcast for you. I want to thank everyone who's watching at joshuatberglin.com. But those of you who are watching uh, at YouTube, I'd be grateful if you subscribe, like this video, because I promise it is like-worthy. And um, I would also be grateful for your feedback, which you can comment below. And if you're, of course, you're, if you're on my website, joshuatberglin.com, uh, then you'll be able to comment and leave your feedback there alone. Because this is a, an extremely thought-provoking conversation. Um, our guest is just awesome. And I think you're going to really, really love this. Thank you for being here. And you all have an amazing experience. Enjoy the broadcast. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a conversation with Joshua T. Berglund and my new friend, Janine Kim. Now, what y'all don't know is I walked into this interview thinking that she was a completely different person. In fact, she even saw it in the email thread, the bio, the information, the book, and all this stuff <laughs> that I was given beforehand does not actually go to her. So this is truly an organic conversation and getting to know each other and what we're all about. But without further ado, Janine, before we get started and figuring out who you be and what you're all about, can you tell me what you are grateful for today and why? Absolutely. I am grateful for the unknown in today. I, every morning I wake up, I put my feet on the ground. I'm like, yes, I get another day. And honestly, that and my family and the air in my breath, after that, I just give it all. I'm absolutely grateful for that the most. Yep. I like that. That was simple and awesome and well-rounded. I get, I find over, when I first started asking these questions in my broadcast, like when I started five years ago, it was, I used to get a lot of, you know, generic cheap answers. But here lately, it seems like the gratitude has been so much more sincere and I've had so much better answers. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's the days that we live in or just the guests that I have. I don't know, but 
I always love it when I get a well, well, I get a good gratitude answer. So thank you for that. I'm excited to have you here, not because I know anything about you, but there's just something about, even in the disruption of getting you confused with someone else. And you again, you saw that email thread, but just your way of being and dealing with that. Like some people would have taken offense to it and you just were like nothing but love. So I want to thank you for that as well. So Janine, I, uh, you did mention that you have a book called Dark Matters. Why don't you, why don't we just get started with that? Because I think that will unfold the rest of the questions or the shape of this conversation. So do you mind telling us about that? Absolutely. The book is still in process, hopefully to be out this summer is what I'm intending for. But this is a really a foundational piece that I have come to really organize over the past 23 years as a healer and then my life as a very spiritual and kind of, you know, health driven person. And then just with hardships in my life that I was able to, this book organizes the point that the dark matters. And as much as we go to the light, I just feel that the light is a given. But if we really want to bring that light into all that we are, we have to go to the dark first. And so getting the support we need to do it, having the courage, knowing that it's deep inside of us to, to be able to pull that off and no longer running away from it. All four of our bodies that I, I deep dive into that in the book and how important that is for our true healing. Yeah. My that that's very reminiscent of my journey. And of course, while you're going through those journeys, you think you're the only one. And it's hard to it's hard to comprehend sometimes that the hell that we walk through, I'll just speak for myself. It's hard to believe that the hell, the evil, the dark, the mean, the screwed up things that I did to not just to myself, but to other people, to know that there was actually a purpose in it and in how it's shaped what I do today. And it's given meaning to what I do today. You know, my dream as a child was to, I wanted to travel the world, serve. I wanted to have a global talk show where I actually traveled into the communities and not only, you know, did my thing, but I also served and helped and gave back in those communities. I wanted to be a different type of Howard Stern, if you would, or an Oprah. That's what, for me, attracted me and excited me. I just wanted to do it my own way. That said, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would be doing it as somebody with HIV, somebody that battled my sexuality most of my life, somebody that was an abuser, abused, a cheater, a chem sex addict, all those things. Like that's not the shock jock <laughs> that I thought I would be doing, but right. here we are. And it's really interesting, but I look at my trauma, my dark side, my, my darker self, that part of it has become the fuel for my purpose today. Now, when I say that to you, how closely are we aligned? Utterly on so many levels. I have been through quite a bit of darkness myself and it was a very lonely journey. And just being able to, to face that darkness and then also, well, for instance, this might be hard to comprehend in the context of what we, you know, the context of our lives today but I was kind of born in that shame. I was born in 1967. My mother gave me up for adoption because I was, she was an unwed mother out of wedlock and you no know, Catholic family. And so she had to go away to a home for unwed mothers. 
And then I was in Cradle, you know, where they gave up babies and you hang out there for months and then your parents would take you home. Now I had, you know, parents who loved me and didn't make fun of the adoptedness, but it was definitely a shame factor. And that was just a little piece, but that darkness that you hold that inside, like that shame of, you know, back then that was a big thing. My mother would not be able to get married again if she had a child or get a job or anything of that nature. So just starting off on that and how much slowly, little by little, the, you know, our culture has come to kind of lean into that darkness a bit. I, you know, it feels like a bit of that darkness and embrace it. And I always say that, you know, the light side of the moon and the dark side of the moon are still the moon. So what are we running away from? You know, we need to embrace these things. And that is what makes us whole. Yeah. Just own it. You know, when I first turned my life around, it was, well, even though I didn't call myself a Christian, it was because I grew up in the church. I All I knew really was to cry out to God and to cry out to Jesus and all that. And that was at my a breaking point for me. And I, since then, over the last seven years, I've kind of not broken away from that necessarily, but I've kind of elevated past that point and understanding that it's all really within. And even though God is in everything, he's also inside of us. And right. that shadow part, it's like God and the devil exist inside of us as well. Or that's how I kind of how I've made my brain understand it. And for so long, everything was outside of me. And I'm trying to reach for all of these different things and follow all of these different rules that were outside of me. But yet in my spirit was conflicting with these rules that I was taught. And I thought, well, I'm just a bad sinner. I'm just a bad this or I'm just evil. And even that my understanding with that has even changed because so much of what I perceived as bad and evil and vile really was teaching me something and preparing me for something that was way bigger than me. And I'm grateful for that. Like, I'm honestly grateful for my evil, my dark. And, it's, and that's a weird thing to say, especially, but I and now that I've gotten out of this, and I would love your opinion on this thought, but now that I've kind of elevated outside of religion and that box, and I'm looking down at other people that have the different religions and the different systems of belief and rituals and all that other stuff that they do, I see them trapped in a prison. That is, it's a constant, it's like they're set up to fail. Because in a way that you would think that we, if when you say being led by the spirit, well, when you, what if you're led to do something that contradicts your religion? And that happens a lot. So people get depressed, they get anxiety, they end up acting out or what is would be described as acting out. And then they shame themselves for that. And then they're just stuck right where they were. And none of that is about being your higher self. Can you address what I just said? Yeah, so much is coming through as you're sharing. I, I love this. First, I would say that, you know, I feel like we're moving into a time where our connection with God, our God, is a really personal experience. And the way I like to kind of feel this in in my mind and explain it is that, you know, say like you first go to cooking school and you learn like all the ways to cook, right? And you have to learn the succinct principles, fundamentals, foundations. But then when you leave, right, you kind of move all that to the side and you make it organically your own. 
otherwise, you know, all the painters would look the same, all the chefs would look the same. <laughs> and I feel that, you know, it's great to have a structure with God and how we habituate towards that, how we welcome it into our lives and have a devotion and a succinct practice. But oftentimes I feel that religion can get in the way of, it's like almost like, you know, that phone plate, I don't know, maybe the girls just play this when we were little, but we would have these parties, these slumber parties, and you'd say a message to the other person, the other person, the other person. By the time it got to the end, it was completely kind of twisted yeah. because it's through the lens of other people. And so when you have a real personal connection to that, which only you can have to God, to source, to creator, that to me is addresses a more authentic and a purer way to be with yourself and your darkness and how you specifically need to be in the world. How, I love that. How do we, because when we, let me work through this question, forgive me, because it's not a real clear question, but when I think about the dark night of the soul or embracing our shadow, not running from it. So when I think of that and also even embracing our darkness, but then I also look at the real evil that does happen, like the evil towards children that happens. Like it's like, where is the cutoff line or where is the dividing factor between okay, well, this is my shadow, and then this is just downright freaking evil and vile and nasty, and there's no coming back from that. Is there anything like that, a boundary there? There's always discernment of mm -hmm. where we lie, where we lie in the choice of that play out is what I feel. Sure. So while some people are playing it out, we, can look at that and we could say, gosh, this is where we be with that, right? And this is such a, it's a tricky thing to, to be within the mind, but I feel like where we're going in this kind of a more spiritually driven age, that we see that it's, instead of looking at things as good, bad, right, or wrong, even though there is, I, I want to yeah. say clarity remains, <laughs> you know, this is my book, Dark Matters, it's there. And I work with that a lot, but understanding that it's all necessary perhaps for a greater reason that we don't understand. But the way I sense into that darkness is that if we can see that darkness, be with that darkness, and it's almost like digging out a pool, you know? Like, say like you wanna get a pool in your backyard and you, the deeper you go, the more you can put in once you work your way out. So us, that even just watching it and saying, it makes no sense. It's horrifying. And I'm an empath, so I feel, and it just, it shakes me to the core. But to look at that and say, okay, there's something in that for every spirit here, that almost begins to open the door and melts away the unforgiveness around it. And it begins to let the light in by seeing the necessity of it. Does that make sense? It does. So let, that leads me to want to ask this. I am a recovering narcissist. It's, I'm recovering a lot of things, but instead of saying that I'm you know, completely healed from it or I'm not, because I mean, I have tendencies that creep out. I mean, you're on social media at all. <laughs> Even if you're in broadcasting, there's got to be a little bit of narcissism that exists, but I was really bad. How does the darkness, the shadow and narcissist work out? Because that's... 
you know, sometimes narcissists are looked at as they don't have a soul or they have no empathy, they don't really care, they're not teachable, they only care about themselves. So in that kind of situation, how does shadow work play into that? You know, that is such a great question. And what's coming to my mind is astrology, because, you know, I'm an astrologer as well. And astrology is the study of cycles and the necessity for all the archetypes that that we all can embody. So let's take narcissism. That is a focus of self. And from astrology's perspective, we were going through a time where everything was devoted on the other. And we had to learn that. We had to learn it, but it came to the point where it was such an external devotion that there wasn't an internal calibration. There was no internal compass at all. So, you know, there's a spectrum of being with any narcissism or other. There's a spectrum of being with that. And we always want to find the middle ground. So once we move away from overly focusing on the other, we had to really come back and focus on ourselves. And we do this in our lives personally as well. That you come into a place, you're like, okay, I really want to focus on myself, but I really went over here to this end of the spectrum. Okay, cool. You carved that out. But there's some middle ground. We need to account for ourselves. And I truly feel even as a healer, you cannot heal anybody and just give without being right with yourself, without paying attention to yourself, without centering with your own devotion so that you feel full and there's no resentment when you give and you could teach other through example. So your narcissism, you got in the car, you went a little over to the right, you come back to center and you have a center of self more than anyone. And you could bring that structure to the world when you serve. I, yeah, my healing was really began with radical honesty, like a very uncomfortable radical honesty. And eventually, and then having a wife that holds me accountable, I did the healing and was blessed to have someone come into my life that belonged there. <laughs> and, and it's been, I don't believe that the creator would have allowed that to happen, to bring her into my life and two precious little girls if I hadn't done the work to heal. But, you know, you really find out where you're at as a human when you have a person, when you have a really good mirror <laughs> to, to, to look at yourself and then also hold you accountable. So I'm grateful for that because I don't want to live my life that way. And I'm not scared. I think that, I don't know this to be true, but from my own observation, it almost seems like narcissism begins out of like almost a necessity. No one else is taking care of me. I don't feel yeah. safe with anyone. And so, which was all true for me. And now ultimately, because I feel safe, I can trust not a lot of people, but some people, that's all helped with my healing and it's been beautiful. I want to ask you, oh, the other thing too, you brought up about healing and I would love your opinion on this. One of the dangers that I've seen in my own experience, like when I first turned my life around, I was like on fire to rescue everyone that came from where I came from, even though I wasn't completely healed yet. And I found myself falling into a lot of situations where somebody would come to me for healing because they felt safe because I was admitting to being all of these things. And so it opened up people, that truth attracted a tribe of people 
that were drawn to whatever, whether it was the honesty, the trauma, I don't know. And uh, what I found was that for me, I started to trauma bond with people in a very dangerous level where it almost turned into like an addiction. It yeah. and, and it became sexual in nature and then start the cycle all over again. And I, and so then like with my healing and as I have healed, I've been able to step back and go, okay, now I've got to set these boundaries and keep these boundaries. But I remember one time, a little couple of years ago before I met my wife, I had an experience where I was healed and I was keeping the boundaries until hormones or something kicked in. And then all of a sudden, all of the good and the healing and whatever that was taking place was erased because now sex was brought into the picture, trauma bonding was brought into the picture, and it was like starting from zero again. Can you speak to that and like the process of being a healer, the importance of needing to be healed, your, <laughs> healed yourself and so on? Can you speak to that? Sure. And you know, hearing this, and I love your vulnerability, Joshua. It's so delicious because you could do something with that. You could do something with that truth. And, you know, as a healer, boundaries are everything. However, we're all learning as we go. And one thing that really is a piece of my, the foundation of all the work that I do is that the finish line is that there's no finish line. <laughs> That's true. And at first, when we hear that, we're like, what? I've been doing all this. Where's my finish line? It's not there. And there's almost a, like it evokes things, right? I'm not going to say what it evokes. Everybody feels something different. <laughs> that, one, that, that one that settles in, you're like, oh, huh. that's, kind of, that's kind of a relief. You know, when you really let it settle in, because there's no like Shangri-La waiting on the other side or somebody is saying, hurry up and finish. It's these layers. We're like baklava, you know? <laughs> we got these layers. Once we get something done, there's another thin layer and another thin layer that we nice can just- analogy. <laughs> You'll find everything it's is usually- accurate around. though. It's, per it's better than the onion analogy. No, I like baklava better. I know, it's way better. I like it. Go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was we just- I'm not <laughs> No, so we, it's okay, I love it. And so we, you know, we have these layers of growth and it's just like, you know, when we think we, it's like a diamond as well. You get this angle just right, but when you get the angle right and it starts to reflect a certain way, you're like, huh, that changes this over here. Let me welcome it in. So we have layer upon layer and the relief of knowing that we're just here to meet every moment, not have a finish line. Because if we don't remove the shame around what comes up for us, the darkness that appears for us, then not only are we trying to heal the wound, but then that heaping pile of shame on the back. And this is why the dark matters. I love reframing our relationship to triggers, to tensions, and to you know things that usually off put us and we're like, no, we shouldn't be doing this. When it shows up, if we could reframe our perspective and be like, whoa, there it is again, whoo, and you look at it like, yes, I have another nugget, another little layer, and I can look at this and be with it in all honesty, whatever that looks like, anger, rage, and then that allows it 
allows it to kind of move through us and we could be with it instead of having like an additional side of shame, you know, too much, too much. When did you first become passionate about this work? I really admire, like, I mean, you've really taken this serious. It's almost like you've gone to like Carl Jung levels of understanding. What, like, what, when did you first recognize that this was your path? Because it's not an easy path. Not. I, I have to say, I feel like I was oriented to this my whole life. Spiritually, as a child, the funny things that I would do, you know, <laughs> my friends are out catching frogs, and I'd be out there with them too, but then I should have to come in at Easter. I would, like, watch the miniseries in my parents' bedroom in the 70s that was, like, the crucifixion of Jesus. I don't know if you, you remember that, those of you who are about my age. You know, they have, like, a little miniseries, and I had, like, a little holy water thing in my room, and my parents, you know, they were Catholic, and we went to see, you know, Catholic school and church every Sunday, but it wasn't front and center for us. But inside of me, it was deeper. I'd always look at the North Star Christmas and imagine the three wise men. Like, something is built in me, and I, you know, I stepped away from that for a bit but it was always in me and in the 90s it really started to take hold and that's when I began my deep dive in my study and the passion comes from empowering myself and other people because I really have walked a singular journey I haven't had any support in life and I don't I know there's other ways that we could be with the darkness and pushing it down is not a truth it always comes up. We cannot ignore that. We... I, so for me, part of my darkness was centered around sexuality. And I say darkness because I snuck around and kept secrets and lied and did some vile things to protect that secret for a lot of reasons. Even after I turned my life around, I was able to, with momentum and energy and enthusiasm, avoid that part of me because I'm going to be abstinent. I'm going to do things the right way, blah, blah, blah. And then life happened and <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I'm still bisexual. Like, oh, okay. What am I supposed to do with this? Because now I'm an abomination and okay, well, I, but I love God and, and this, okay, this is really confusing, but this book says I'm an abomination and all these people say I'm going to hell. And I'm like, this is weird. I love God and my, I have fruit and like good things are happening in my life how I'm an abomination like it was awful for me and I had this wrestling match and I would try to suppress it so then activate the darkness activate getting switching and you know because of disassociative identity disorder and that would cause triggers and switches and then I would lose my mind and then you know all this it was the same cycle that I went through all my life because I was trying to suppress something I had to find truth for myself and I found it outside of the church. And ironically enough, it was the Bible that led me to truth outside of the Bible that helped me come to peace with who I was because I knew certain things just weren't right and I was able to prove it. But then came the part of, I have a responsibility. I've been what, you know, an evangelist, if you will, for the last few years. I'm speaking at church. I do more faith-based style programming at the time. And now all of a sudden I'm alienating that because I don't believe it to be as true as it's forced on people. But part of my healing came from finally openly just saying, this is who I am and no, nothing's gonna change it. God loves me the way I am. I'm not an abomination. 
And this is me. And this is who I am. And I'm not going to hide from it anymore. And doing that kind of, it, it removed the stronghold that it had on me. So now while I have the freedom to express my sexuality with my wife's permission, I don't. <laughs> like this grip and this power and this, again, stronghold. It was like strangling me and suffocating me and affecting my life and decisions I made and on. Now it's gone. And I literally have the freedom to do, I mean, I have such the best relationship. As long as I'm honest, I can do what I want. And guess what? I don't do any of that. And I can't. And it's so weird to me, but it was ultimately just standing in truth. And that power went away. And so it brought me to this, well, this is shadow work. This is part of it. And like, oh my gosh, why is this not talked about more? This is needed. The very things that we call sin, the very things that we call, but what would that cause shame and guilt? Really, it's about the keeping a secret. Really, it's about not living your truth that bring all that on. But once you stand in that truth, what happens? Nothing except freedom. And what I'm hearing from you is that you dropped that heaping backpack of shame. And so the load that you had within you, you were able to carry and you were able to own. And then it had a whole different feeling of it because shame doesn't come from inside no. first. That's guilt. Shame comes from outside in. And so going into that dark stuff, you know, it's funny, I call, when I get into meditation and when I, because I'm an intuitive and an empath and I really get into that space in me, I see dark. And I studied Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine for years. This is part of Wang my- Wang is amazing. You ever take He Shu Wu? Every day, hang on. I do too. <laughs> Every it's day. The, it's the best product. I need to find a better source of it. But... I have one for you. I have one for you. So just let me know. Okay. The best of the best. I'm, sure. I'm not kidding. Okay. So when we go into the dark, I see the dark and in Chinese medicine as well. And in other things, the dark, the dark is, uh, and the creation is yin. Yin is dark. The womb is dark. Creation is blank. It has nothing on it. So even when I go into my meditation, things start to get dark, you know, like blacked out, light-wise dark. But it, I always see something at the end. And when I'm teaching my students as well on how to access their empty space, their intuitive space, when we go into that emptiness, which looks dark, all the wounds that we haven't dealt with come rushing in. And so we blame the dark for it when really the dark is just an empty space. An example of this, I have, you have children. I have two, young, I have two boys. And if I had to get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, right? <laughs> Cause that's what happens. And I'm walking through the living room and I step on a bunch of Legos. Am I blaming the dark or is it the Legos on the carpet that made it happen? Cause I've stepped on Legos in the middle of the day. It's what is underfoot that you're not looking at. Wow. That hurts, not the space that you're in. And so what if the dark is the most important thing that we do and just because we threw everything into that 
dark space because nobody would look underfoot can't see it eye level deal with that and then this creative potential and this connection to self that is limitless lies on the other side of that god i adore you i i'm you're one of my favorite guests i've ever had i just like the way that you be i just the energy your presence dig it dig it especially when you can smile about the shadow work <laughs> when you can smile about the dark it's a very does it let me ask you this oh no let I me mean, yeah this is how i want to ask the question how what has embracing your shadow and embracing the dark working with the dark taught you about fear fear is real fear shows up but when you meet it you go beyond it like do the thing you fear the most and the fear of the thing will die and this branches off in a couple topics first of all i think we're about the same age so do you remember the movie poltergeist heck yeah Okay, so whenever I'm getting ready to do work with my clients, I'm like, I'm the little old lady with the squeaky shoe that is like, okay, Carrie Ann, we're going into the dark and you know you're gonna come out, right? I'm a little church lady. But then at the same time, it also leads me to one other thing I wanna mention is that when I do this work, it's not like I go in there willy-nilly. I really have to be mindful. This is where kind of the narcissism concept comes in. That word is necessary, but the focus I put on myself is so rich and so deep and so full that if my frequency, my whole instrument is not attuned, I don't know myself here in every way. When I go into somebody else's dark space, oh, there's going to be stuff there that you feel and you sense energetically that call you to that. Yeah. But you have to know thyself, to met noske, know thyself the most and raise your vibration be with that joy frequency and walk through it unafraid so i see it as a leveling up i see it as an opportunity to say i will walk through it it's an invitation to it's like a trojan horse weaving the light through that dark and it makes me a better person yeah i love that i fear for me I've gotten addicted to it now when I initially felt led to do the thing that scared me which was to be honest. Yeah. I, when I first started my talk shows, not I was honest about 98% of the things, but I was withholding that I had HIV and withholding that two of the time, two of the six times I'd been in jail were for domestic violence. And I really felt in my spirit that it was time to be honest about it and I was terrified. So I I was, I was honest and I eventually did that. And then I had a relapse like a year after that. And I felt God. I don't know how to describe this experience except that it was God. I'm on my phone. I'm up four days. I just got done. This sounds awful. Drinking my own urine to get high to keep me going long enough to find more drugs and sex. And I felt God drop down like right here to the corner like he was looking at my phone and what was on it which was like what got to see this and and he says I'm not done with you yet this is going to suck but you're going to put a spotlight on your shadow world I mean he gave me a this series of like a commands but one of them was I don't deserve I don't get the luxury of secrets anymore 
I'm going to put a spotlight on my shadow world and I'm just going to be honest about everything, all the things. And so that included the relapse and the struggles and like uncomfortable. And it's weird because that took me on this journey of going, I was still involved in the church, still speaking at church, doing the Saturday night service, doing the Bible studies and all of that. And in that honesty, I felt the most rejection, yet I also felt the most freedom. Especially where where hurt the most was that the rejection was coming from the very place that I wanted to be accepted the most, and that was the church. Like I'm going, I used to see you preachers and all you Bible study people in the bathhouses and on sex apps, and like going, and I'm being honest about my struggle, and you're shunning me. Like I'm not welcome. You, I would love it if a preacher goes, you know what? I saw this lady's boobs and I lost my mind. <laughs> like. I mean, like that's more, I'm more drawn to that than I am. You're going to hell if like, that doesn't work. But that radical honesty, it took me to a place of complete freedom, yet complete loneliness and isolation. And I've never seen the purpose in it until recently, what that isolation was. And that was that some people were meant to walk in front of everyone else to blaze the trail so that it would be easier for others. And that is a weird feeling sometimes to think that's what your role in life is, that you get to be the trendsetter, the, it could be trendsetter, trailblazer, yeah. the one that takes the bullets. Yet at the same time, I couldn't be more grateful for that opportunity. Absolutely. You're like the front duck on the little, on the duck thing. And it's, you know, I always say that you got to smell the pie before you taste it. Now, imagine in context, the Wright brothers, Oh yeah. you know, how they were thought to be crazy out of their mind. And, but this is how I think evolution happens. Spiritual evolution happens. We say that we want change, but that, you know, meeting that as a collective is entirely different. And so when it's the smell comes in, it's the seed planting. So people like me, or, you know, even the, when I look at somebody like you, I know what I see. And you are doing, and I hear this, it reminds me of a movie I saw with Willem Dafoe where he was Vincent van Gogh. And he's like, I no longer care about the people. I care about my relationship to eternity. I'm not painting for people who are alive today. I'm painting for them who are later. So you have a relationship. It's like your North Star definitely is that God source, the creator. You're doing something bigger. Not that other people aren't, because they are. Oh, for sure. With your step and your walk, you're inspiring, you know, others it's like j-lo jenny from the block you know like she had to leave the block but she doesn't have to go back and it's lonely i'm sure she misses that anonymity maybe not but the anonymity like what used to be and others look up to that and they it's their free get out of jail free card you are somebody's get out of jail free card you're somebody's permission card and then just out of curiosity what year were you born do you feel comfortable saying that may 20th 1997 1997 okay because there's some astrological components to that that you know speak so much to somebody who's not afraid of that edge and that's that pluto and scorpio 
I feel that you are. And probably right on the cusp of Sag as well. And you're a truth seeker that brings that dark to the light. I don't know anything that you just said. <laughs> I just remember one time looking at my birthday and it said Gemini Taurus cusp. And so I read what it was about and I was like, oh, well that makes perfect sense. So I don't really know, you know, I don't really know how all that stuff works. I've never really tried to learn. But I do know that I've spent most of my life believing I was from another planet. So, <laughs> that was the only thing of like, why am I so weird? I am so weird. But I'm like now I just I you know I actually now I want to ask you about this. How well I know how important identity is, but it feels like right now, at least what I see in the world and in the, especially what's put out in the media, which a lot of it's just not true, but you know, some of it is, there is an identity crisis. You know, I mean, growing up in America, and I'm not trying to trash, I mean, I'm so grateful to have grown up here because it could have been way worse. But like, as I've learned how America's been great and in power, I'm like, oh, so basically we're Nazi Germany. <laughs> NATO's doing the same thing the Nazis did. Like, this is really weird. Okay, so how do we, like, that's, like, there's, America has an identity crisis and it's just getting worse every day. But at the same time, we'll never heal. We'll never be what we're supposed to be. We'll never accomplish what we are capable of unless if we know our identity because we don't even know the path to walk without our identity. If not, we're just like crazy people running around like, where do I go? Where do I go? How do we find our identity as a nation, as a people, as a civilization? How do we find that? Stop looking outside. That's good. John, that's good. It's, and again, isn't it interesting how the minute that is said, and consider this, consider all the things that you said about how, you know, maybe even the freedom of speech or how we're able to or not see certain identities out there, how we're able to or not, you know, have these words that make us our identity. The moment I say that, isn't that interesting how it kind of goes back to, well, isn't that narcissistic? <laughs> and who made that up? And what if we looked at the care of self on a spectrum? And again, the dark is where the greatest creative potential is. And everybody's like, run away from it. Don't look at it. Just be happy. Even law of attraction in a way, which I get it, but there's some darkness in there. <laughs> we got to go to all of it, man. Yes, go ahead. No, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, okay, I'm painting this picture in my brain. Keep going. Okay, so it's a thing that I call, you know, as a holistic healer. I call it, instead of calling it healing, I call it holing, W-H-O-L-I-N-G. I love that. Yeah, it, isn't it interesting? It breaks that perpetuation cycle as well of let me come heal you, the victim, yeah. that sort of thing. It's a wholeness factor. So to answer your question, if everybody were taught, given opportunities to look at all four bodies, that matter your spiritual body etheric your mental body etheric your emotional body a little bit more dense but etheric your physical body is the last and all those three 
they create the holograph of physicality. That's the somatic experience. That's the mind-body connection. So when we answer the call to all of those bodies and create space in our life every single day for spirit, every single day for the mind, every single day for the emotion, and every single day for the physical in a balanced way, whatever that means, create space for all those, then we feel more whole and we answer the call to what we need. My life, take a look at this. I'm an intuitive, I'm a redhead, I'm ultra sensitive. <laughs> which in the past is like, oh, you're so sensitive. And I've reprogrammed that to mean very present. It's the canary in the coal mine. Canary is brought into the coal mine to get the coal miners ready for what is going to happen to them. But it happens to the canary first. And so the sensitivities that I have are different than another. So if I care for my four bodies the way I am driven to do it, I feel full, I feel whole, I feel empowered. If I were to listen to what everything is told to me outside, I could not survive. And I've been through patches of that. My body gets sick, my mind gets sick, my soul breaks. Well, not my soul, my spirit. My spirit breaks, the soul doesn't really break. But does that make sense? Yeah. And so here, what can we do? Care for ourselves like it's the most important thing ever. And that would even remove the narcissism because you're not wrong there. Those that typically have to swing, it's because the arrow was pulled back so far with neglect that you went completely the other way to survive. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. We so, have to care for ourselves and we have to know it's okay to do it. And we can't have anybody out there telling us how to, because they're not right. We could cherry pick the information, but we got to take it in and bring it to our own truth. I, I think I could talk to you for days. And I, you, I gotta tell you, you're welcome back anytime. I, I've enjoyed that. I was so excited when I realized that I was I had the wrong person's information because I got to do this as organically as possible. And uh, you, this was fantastic. I'm so grateful. Please, like the final words are yours. Plug anything and everything you want. Say whatever you want. The floor is yours. Last little bit I'll say is, I know we're in crazy times, let it come up. Think Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> this is a spiritual Dr. Pimple Popper moment, okay? How fun is it? I don't know, I kinda like it, you know, I'm that crazy one. Comes out, woo But after it's out, it's gone. So trust that, let go of the view of the horizon and go into yourself and love your four bodies like they are your babies. Do you have a black sheep baby because you just don't get it? Your emotional body, mental body. Do you have a favorite baby that's easy to care for? If you want injustice for all out there, make injustice for all in here yourself. Trust yourself and let go of the external horizon. That's it. Thanks, Joshua. Thank you for Wait, what? Plug. How do people follow you? How do people like, buy your stuff? How do people work with you? 
Okay, my website, www.janinekim.com. I have a new book, Dark Matters, coming out hopefully this summer. And I offer conscious coaching and one-off readings, astrology readings, intuitive readings, and they all wind in like holistic care. So every time you get a reading, I touch every aspect of who you are, not just one part. Wait, I have a question. Yes. How different is a reading versus a prophetic word? in your opinion. Ooh. Well, a reading for me is a real-time experience. And so I get in there, and again, as the canary in the coal mine, I'm just the telephone. So I hear what's going on based on the choices you're making today. And then I just pass on information of different choices you can make that could take you down different roads, get you out of the cave where, you know, the bird might die or, you know, what you can do to bolster yourself. But you always have that free will choice. I'm not, I'm not, I can't imply anything on anybody's life. And so what I love about that is what I say today could be different than what you need tomorrow based on the choices you make when you leave. Prophecy seems to feel like it, we're tied in and there are faded moments, but that's above my spiritual pay grade. I don't go in that area. I'm just here to guide you to your own end game and the well, most empowered one. Yeah. No, you're the way you explained it was perfect, but really it's the same thing as giving somebody a prophetic word. It's literally the same thing. And I and that's one of those things that gets demonized in the religious worlds of like sorcerers and tarot card readers and astrology and they it's all demonized. But when you really break down what it is, it's like people that talk about, well, karma is different than reaping and sowing. I mean, sure, I guess you could make that argument, but really it's the same thing. And the same with this, like giving a word, Australia, when you get a download, when you channel something, like it's, we're all doing the same stuff, but yet it somehow has gotten pitted against each other. So I'm glad that you answered it the way you did. It was a perfect explanation. And I just honor you. I have so much respect and I just really enjoyed this time. Thank you for being here. Joshua, you are still welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for the awesome work you're doing as well. Get out of jail free card. That's how I see you from now on. <laughs> thank you so much. See you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.